The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is John Silver, lead recruiter of The Dark Order, and you are listening to All Things Elite. Welcome to the 157th episode of Social Suplex's podcast about AEW with a proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. My name is Austin Summers and I am the host of this lovely show. Joining with me as always is my good buddy and friend Floyd Johnson Jr. My man, how you doing? I am okay. I'm great, but I'm also sad. I played Mega Millions, which was $555 million. Right. And I got two numbers. <sighs> I'm going to look on the bright side of things because we are the politicality of positivity. I got two more numbers than everybody that didn't play. So I was closer than Myself included. Them. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I was closer than them. But, dude, I just think I was four numbers away from never having to work again. That would have been just woof. Yeah, and and that's what you really pay for. I always tell people they're like, "Man, is it a chance to win?" No, it's hope. You know, I had hope for a few hours. Oh, what I would do if I would win? Who all the people I would help? Who all the people I would say screw you to? Yeah, all those things. And I had that for a while, and that's what I paid for. And you know, it invests into the next time when somebody actually wins. But it you can't win if you don't play. So you know, I I played. I had fun. And, you know, you know, there's the people that say, you know, you got like 1.3 billion to one chance of winning. Mm-hmm. It's really not. The odds aren't that great. No. The odds, are, the odds aren't that severe. Because I used to frustrate a friend of mine because I would say your odds are actually 50-50. You're either going to win or you're going to lose. 50-50. Okay. It was like, I lost. <laughs> you know, it was like, hey, you know, the other 50 is win Because... You know, you can tell me I'm I'm 14 billion to one, but I only need to win one time. Who needs to mm-hmm. win the lottery like six times? No, I only need to win once. So no, uh, it was fun. Had a little anticipation. Got to watch some little wrestling. Power, power uh, Paramount Plus is pissing me off because I am <laughs> on season seven, episode 21 of Star Trek: Next Generation. I've really pounded through this show. And now the whole seventh season won't show up on Power Paramount Plus. So I'm like, I'm literally just like, I don't even know what to do with my hands because that's what I've basically been doing for the last month. So I got to, I st- because it wouldn't come up, I started playing Madden and I got <laughs> fucking lost in that. And I was like, I look up and I was like, fuck, it's, it's late. 
I was like, what happened? And then, yeah, I saw you mm-hmm. in the skull, and I was like, oh, shit. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, that's been my that's been my day. I'm doing well. We just had my anniversary, uh, which was my yeah, congrats. third year anniversary with my wife. We did some stuff. And if you saw on All Things Elite page and at Floyd Johnson Jr., I decorated my wall. You did. I did. And, uh, it's, of course, mostly FTR, as should be expected. And then I got, I got, I got my girl Arvory up there. I, I was really happy because when I kind of mapped it out in front, it didn't look like that picture could make it. But then my wife, I, we got it up. My wife looked. She's like, "Yeah, it'll look fine." And I was like, "Cool." I really wanted Aubrey on the wall. I have another wall that I'm daddy. It's going to be more of a hodgepodge, but it's going to be a lot of Cody. It's going to be a lot of Cody, and uh, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I have basically the room of my 12 year old dreams, so I'm enjoying it. Yeah, man, that sounds like it was great. I've enjoyed my last couple days. I just got back last night, in fact. Uh, uh, it was on Monday. Uh, from seeing the one and only Sir Elton John in concert at Comerica Park in Detroit, Michigan. And, yeah, saw him for the Farewell Yellow Brick Road tour. It was amazing. Only disappointing thing was the fact that he didn't play Daniel. Daniel's like one of my favorite uh, Elton John songs, and I wanted to hear it so bad. Uh, but wasn't able to, but it's all good. You know, he played literally so many hits, l- like back to back to back hits. Um, uh, outstanding concert. Dude can still kill it with his vocals and his piano playing. Um, in fact, with his piano, the piano literally moved across the stage because he was pretty much tied to that thing for the entire show. He would stand up and wave and point to the crowd every time and walk around maybe slightly, but he was tethered to the piano pretty much the entire show. So of course with him being to the piano, it just moved across the stage occasionally, which was fucking crazy. I thought it was really cool. Um, but yeah, it was really just an awesome show. And you know, like you didn't, you never really get to say sometimes that, you know, I got to see this person in concert. Um, like I never got to see Michael. I never got to see Prince. I never got to see a lot of like the great artists like of a time that I never experienced. So being able to see Elton, who I love and respect and think he's outstanding, being able to say I saw I saw Elton John live, that's definitely a bucket list thing for sure. And he did amazing. It's kind of weird to say I saw I've seen Motorhead live. I've seen in Living Color live. Oh. Uh, yeah, so and these are all I saw them at wrestling shows playing wrestlers in. <laughs> That's how I saw them live. Um, yeah, who else? Um, but in concert, uh, Jay Z. Uh, oh, I've seen Kanye twice. And oh, nice. When what tours? Kanye was like his first two tours ever. I don't. I don't. I'm not really good with that kind of stuff. But his first. Okay, so probably around like graduation day or uh, yeah, like uh, college dropout. Late re- college, yeah, gra- yeah, or yeah. I was gonna say yeah. college dropout, maybe late registration. There you go. And his mom, his aunt, is from Oklahoma City. Oh. So he always made sure a tour stopped in Oklahoma City to see his family. He would always bring. He brought her on stage, but his stage show was like over the fucking top. It was yep. as Kanye as Kanye can be. But my favorite concert I ever saw, I also saw Lil Wayne. Like, I've seen, like, all the rappers except Eminem, really. 
And That's one I need to see too. My favorite concert I've seen is Justin Timberlake, though. And yes, which tour? Which tour? Uh, it's Tulsa. Uh, what is it? Um, Future Sex Love Sounds. Yeah, yeah. So. Oh, nice. So. I saw him. I saw him twice. Uh, twenty twenty experience in the Palace, which no longer exists. Missed that building, and the man, the myself. man of the woods, the man of the woods tour. Let me correct. It was twenty twenty experience. Okay, so you so, did see that. That tour so, was insane. So the stage started at the front, and then literally he dances as the stage moves to the back. Yep, raises up, goes up to the back, and then yeah. So you go from like, oh, we're kind of far away, to basically having front row seats in the 100. So you, you really couldn't have a bad seat at that show, because no matter where you were, at some point you were going to be like really close. And he fucking killed. It's that tour is actually on Netflix, not in its entirety. They cut a bunch of songs, which is bullshit. But that's that tour is on Netflix. So if yeah. you haven't watched it, watch it. Like that show was outstanding. So yeah, it's like so. I've seen I've seen stuff, and you know I really I like I said that when people ask me my favorite concert, I said it's either Justin Timberlake or uh, Bruno Mars. I just saw Silk Sonic in Vegas when we went for Double or Nothing. They were unbelievable. Bruno Mars, Anderson Pack. Let me tell you how old I am. I actually stood at the ticket box office. It was like Bruno's first or second tour. Uh, it was right after um, Locked Out of Heaven. Yeah, yeah. That was good. yeah. So Locked Out of Heaven was the song. Uh, oh, okay. So it was so, the un- unorthodox jukebox then. So it's hilarious. I was laughing. Because I go there, and there is an overwhelming amount of children at this Bruno Mars concert. <laughs> now, I don't know. Uh, I, I know everyone's familiar with Bruno Mars, but I don't know if you've ever stopped to listen to his lyrics. But they are highly sexual. Banging on my chest, gorilla. Like, highly sexual lyrics. Yes. So, I'm sitting there, and we're in the front row, and we're singing and all this stuff. And then I'm looking around, and I'm like, and I've seen these kids bel- belting out with their whole soul these really sexual lyrics, and their parents staring, and their parents are like, yeah, because their parents have no idea what's going on. Of course not. <laughs> they just brought their kid to see Bruno Mars. They don't give a crap. Yeah, they heard and, the Lazy song. They heard, uh, like, a few other couple songs. Yeah, and, I, I think I want to marry you. It's a few. Yeah, songs. marry you yeah. or, like, just the way you are. Yeah. No, no. Most of the songs are about getting drunk and having sex. Pretty yeah. much who Bruno Mars is. Like, 80% of his songs are about having sex. So it was just, it was one of those weird experiences. But Bruno Mars, of course, he's been on stage and performing since he was like five. So you see that in these great performers. They just seem like they were born to do what he, he, you know, what they're doing. And it's just like the energy he had in every song and he's moving, you know. And I was just like, it was so, his concert was so fun. You know, it was very kind of interactive. Everybody's singing along, and it was fun. But yeah, him and Justin Timberlake were probably my favorite. Uh, Jay Z, the amount of lyrics, like rap songs, like a three-minute song is a lot of words, right? Mm-hmm. The amount of songs that he just knew off the top of his head, just. And then I'm sitting around, and I'm like, "There's black people, white people, Asians, people of every color." And they know 
every lyric to every Jay Z song. Kind of shocking, you know? No yeah, way. no, yeah. It is something to it is something to experience. I will tell anybody. I don't know. I don't, he's probably not touring anymore. But if he does tour, see it because his fans know every word to every song. And I mean, he does difficult raps, difficult rhyme schemes, lots of words, and they are just on beat every word. This I was sitting next to this lady, white lady, and I'm mean, like, she is, she knows them all. I mean, it it was like there was a test. She would have got an A. So I don't know. I don't know. Concerts and music experiences. Uh, I'm you know I'm a wrestling person. I nothing gives my high more than wrestling. But there is a very similar high to being at a really great live concert. Yeah, no question about that. No question about that for sure. But uh, we got a little bit of an intro about music and concerts and stuff like that. But we got to get into what this podcast is about, which is AEW All Things Elite. We got a lot to talk about with Fighter Fest. The first week of Fighter Fest, um, we're just a couple of days away. Well, actually, we're gonna start night uh, week two coming up in. Uh, the day that you guys are listening to this. And then also we got death before dishonor for ring of honor taking place, uh, as well. So with a lot to talk about, we'll real quick say, make sure you guys download this fine show on Google or Apple podcasts. If you listen to us on Spotify or any other podcasting platforms, please give us a share with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish. And of course you can leave a rating and a review and you can follow us as well at social suplex and our real Twitter is at AT Elite Pod, at Social Suplex. Those guys make this show entirely possible, so please check out all the shows they have on their network. Myself, I am at Austin Sumowitz on Twitter, at S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z. And Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And, of course, uh, we just had tickets last week, actually, for All Out Sell. And um, from what I saw, it was a good ter- good turnout, a good selling point for All Out they did the combo pack for Dynamite, Rampage, and All Out itself. Which Your boy didn't get tickets yet. You didn't yet. You're waiting. Yeah, no. Uh, no, uh, yeah. Didn't get tickets. I was, like, literally, uh, I stood, got on there. I don't know what I do. I don't know if it's my internet speed or what it is. I never get in, like, immediately. I'm no, waiting. I'm always waiting, yeah. I'm all, no, like, and I'm not, like, waiting, like, you got in, like, I, I remember once you got in, like, 900, right? That would mm-hmm. be, like, a dream to me. I'm always 2,000 plus. Like, I'm sitting there, and I click, and I get in as soon as possible, but I don't know why. I'm never anywhere near the top. So, I, I got in, tickets, never got them. Uh, I'm the forbidden door taught me a lesson. Don't just buy tickets. Just wait. Now, uh, there's some other news that's going to come up in the show that has now got me worried about my, uh, (laughs) idea to wait. Oh boy. Because, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, because you know, some things might be happening soon that'll make all out a bigger show. Yes. Yes. That is that. And should, should we just talk about that right now? Yeah. Uh, and that was actually going to be my big news of the week that the injury bug may be clearing up sooner than. We yeah. Thought. 
Yeah, we might have we might have seen the forest through the trees a little bit because there are reports that we may be seeing the return sooner rather than later of the one and only the former belt collector Kenny Omega. The god um, of professional wrestling. The god of professional wrestling may be good to go and clear by the time we get to All Out, which if All Out is where he kind of tries to have his first match back after being out for as long as he's been, um that's going to make that show definitely a hot ticket item. I mean, even more so than it is. I mean, like, literally, we're coming off of All Out from last year. Last year, where we saw Punk's first match, Brian Danielson, and Adam Cole debut. That was last year. So, one of the best AEW pay-per-views, if not the best wrestling pay-per-views out there. So, that was last year. So, like, this show is already a hot ticket item to begin with. But if Kenny Omega is also coming back for it... Ooh, buddy, you yeah. better be keeping an eye out to see if tickets at all are still available because, I mean, if if Kenny is confirmed to come back at any point, because, again, it's still hearsay. We don't have any confirmation yet. We're still waiting for any possible inclination that he'll be good to go for All Out, but that's what it seems to be leaning towards from what reports and rumors are saying. That, and I should, you know, always want to give credit where credit's due. That was from Fightful Select. That came out a little earlier on July 19th that, uh, yeah, Kenny Omega is close to a comeback. Like, uh, the other one was from Sunday, Dave Meltzer's show on Monday or Sunday. I, he records West Coast time and it comes out super early, so I don't remember which day it was. But there have been reports that CM Punk is healing and will either be back for all out or full gear. Now, I will tell you. I know they're going to show abundance of caution, but if CM Punk is close enough to being healed where he can wrestle in Chicago, he's going to wrestle in Chicago. Yeah, absolutely. Which I will be very bummed out that I will most likely be missing all out this year because, quite frankly, uh, I did a number on my bank account because within like a, a month, month and a half time frame, it was... Forbidden Door, Double or Nothing, flip those two around in terms of like when they happened, and then Blood and Guts Detroit. That's a lot in a short period of time. Plus, I got a job, I got time, and I got to put that time in so that way like I can save my vacation time for family shit. So I might be, might be done for me in terms of live AEW. Maybe I'll still try to make the Grand Rapids show pot happen because, I mean, like Battle of the Belts could have a pretty cool card um, if it gets announced uh, and stuff like that. But I think for me, I'm, I'm going to unfortunately miss out all out, miss all out this year live, which kills me. But, you know, I can't do them all. Can't do them all. Dude, you, you don't understand. So I had kind of been setting the expectation that I can do everything. And that's an unrealistic expectation. And I'm about to eat that. Yeah. Because I'm not going to be at, I'm not going to be in Lowell, Massachusetts for Ring of Honor Despots for Dishonor. FTR versus Bristol. I know, I know. And for me, this is will probably be the first major show I've missed in like two or three years, like that I wanted to be at. I know there was sure. a slam last year. I, I, I honestly didn't want to go to New York. I was good with missing it. It didn't bother me at all. This is the first one where I can honestly say I want to be there and I can't be there. And that for me is different. And uh Huge amount of uh, huge amount of uh, like 
okay, I wasn't there, but I needed, I, at this point, for me, I needed this to happen because it's time to, you know, I, I, I've been setting an unrealistic standard for myself. Can't be mm -hmm. everything. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, it's it's still going to be an awesome show, and uh, definitely, if if the rumors do end up being true that Kenny Omega is able to be there, y'all might need to try to jump on that show if you can, and if you have the ability to, because it looks like that would be amazing. But with that out of the way, I think we can get into uh, AEW Dynamite for day one of Fighter Fest, which opened up with a TNT defense, a TNT Championship defense match for Wardlow taking on Orange Cassidy, which. Fun fact, like we had the little backstage uh, interview that was cut on when Orange Cassidy and Best Friends came out and Best Friends were literally like, we're going to cheat. Like we're facing a giant ass man. Orange Cassidy is Orange Cassidy. We are going to cheat, which they did. And I believe it was Chuck Taylor who was the one who tried to bring out a goddamn chainsaw. Like didn't go over well as they got kicked out to thunderous booze. They did not want to see Best Friends get sent to the back. Um, and then there was the amazing spot where Orange Cassidy's trying to bait Wardlow around the ring from the outside, and he very smartly goes under the ring, and he finds Danhausen hiding under there, and Danhausen's like, "All right, well, I'm gonna curse you," and then he's just like, "No, no, 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 I don't want to, I don't want to piss you off. No, it's, it's all good. We're good, right? We're good." And that was outstanding. Um, in terms of babyface versus babyface title matches. These two did great. Wardlow uh, gave Orange Cassidy a ton, like multiple orange punches, even got him in the beach break at one point. And um, Wardlow, um, only with the one powerbomb uh, to, get the, uh, to, to get the victory, and also um, just really, really good match. Um, great work. You may have forgotten my favorite spot of the night. I might have, yes, which you, was the— Rip the pockets. The pocket, yes, that's that was one of the first spots. I forgot to mention that. Yes, yeah. his pockets got ripped completely off, which yeah. honestly is the most ingenious, uh, like, like Orange Cassidy spot I've seen in a while. Because you know you're you're always wondering like when are you gonna run out of stuff with the same joke? And then Wardlow just rips his pockets completely off the pants, and I'm just like, that's amazing. That's so fucking cool. Um. I still think Danhausen like being scared uh, of Wardlow was my favorite spot, um, but regardless, like the pockets was amazing too. Um, but Wardlow does a great TNT defense, uh, went retains the title, gets a nice fist bump uh, to Orange Cassidy, and um, yeah, Wardlow already looking really solid as TNT champion. I'm very much enjoying it so far, and having Orange Cassidy be his first uh, defense, I think, is definitely a great move. Yeah, love the match. Uh, Orange Cassidy is like moving up the list of favorite performers, uh, period, because he just doesn't have a bad match. I was afraid they might have ran out of things to do with Wardlow because, you know, he goes on the Goldberg type run and you get to this point where he has gold now. So it's like, what are you going to do? And they were able to put on a very, very entertaining match. So I I commend both I commend both of them for killing it. Mm hmm. Yeah. No, they did really really good stuff. Moving away from that, we had the wizard Chris Jericho come out solo instead without his uh JAS buddies backing him up to cut a promo about the barbed wire everywhere match 
that uh, they're he's having with Eddie Kingston. So it's not a barbed wire death match anymore. So they're just calling it a barbed wire everywhere match. Not exactly the best like title doesn't jump off the page, but regardless, it gets to the point, I guess. I just think um, they want to be clear, you know, like, oh, this is what you're getting. You know, you're getting barbed wire. Shitload of barbed wire. Yes. Yeah. Instead of like, you know, you're not getting explosions. You're not getting other deathmatch type of sh- shit like light tubes and whatever. You're getting barbed wire. So expect it. But um, Chris Jericho comes out and talks about how um, he's a living legend and Eddie Kingston's superior. And he talked about how Eddie Kingston's not a liar a lot. And um, he was very much trying to imply that everyone who becomes friends with Eddie Kingston fucking is miserable. Um, And said it was a worse curse to be friends with Eddie Kingston than anything Dan Housen could conjure up. Ortiz, head shaved. Santana took him out at Blood and Guts. Brian Danielson, they're just acquaintances, but I took him out. That was me. I did that. And we have no idea when he's coming back. And then, of course, Ruby Soho, who last week had her hand completely slammed in a car door. And he's like, Eddie, you got to take better care of your chicks. And they're like, he called him a mark for Terry Funk and Onita and Sabu because of the barbed wire match uh, a challenge. He's like, how many matches of those have you had? Because I won the first ever barbed wire match in Canada, in a as a as a young as a young lad. He says, I'm just as sadistic and maniacal as you, but you underestimate me because of my accomplishments and my ravishing good looks. But it's like you're going to be facing next week, not Chris Jericho, but the Pain Maker, um, famous from New Japan, also undefeated in AEW. Says, um, I'm this is the last fight. This is it. And uh, after this is done, you can crawl back in your little hole. And um, if you want my blood, Eddie Kingston, you got it. You'll get every drop of blood, and that equals one of that. You said every drop of blood equals one of my sins. The only way you could wash away my sins is a tidal wave. And you want blood, you got it. Because again, you're not a liar, you're a loser. Which then moved into the backstage segment where, first of all, Eddie Kingston was complaining how Jericho got five minutes and he gets like 30 seconds. And um, was just like showcasing all the injuries that was suffered. He's like, I'm going to hurt you and I'm going to enjoy you, enjoy it. And was just maniacal and just being insane and all up in the camera's grill. Um, And yeah, I'm I'm excited to see the closing moments of this feud because, I mean, Eddie and Chris Jericho are great. And I got a good feeling that like you're going to see like the exact type of Eddie that you like to see in in, in AEW. And it's going to be. Very violent, and it should be um, it should be really good, honestly. But uh, Jericho's promo was good. I, I thought his promo was really good. Yeah, uh, Jericho. I mean, this is what Jericho does. I mean, there are people out there that call him the goat. I am not one of those people that call him the goat, but there are people out there that call him the goat. And once you start talking about his list of accomplishments, and then bring up what he's done in AEW and you bring up promos like this, it's really hard to argue against it. Uh, he has a he has a strong take as a person that reinvents himself and it looks like everybody that he works with goes on to bigger and better things after they work with him. So Yeah. That's that's a key to being great in wrestling. So shout out to Jericho. He did his thing here again. It was great. Yeah, absolutely. We then moved on to Kanosuke Takeshita facing off against John Moxley 
for the interim AEW World Championship. Uh, well, actually, it was an eliminator match. So if he won, he would get a future title match, basically, down the road. It can kind of confuse me because I assumed that it was going to be a title match last week. It was an eliminator match where it was just you get a cha- championship match if you win. Um, which, honestly, if I'm being fair right now, not my favorite thing in the world uh, are the... Uh, you know, if you want a title match, beat the champion. It's just like you're giving away the match, like that you're that if you were going to try to have that match to begin with. But regardless, Moxley won this anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But Takeshita was bleeding all over the place, got great reactions. Um, honestly, like I just cannot, I can't be more blunt about just like how cool it is that a guy like Takeshita with as little like ties to like new japan like he's ddt uh, all the way and he comes into AEW with very little fanfare very little people knowing who he is and he is genuinely like making huge noise and getting uh matches with the interim world champion john moxley and they beat the shit out of each other i especially loved when like they're just shoulder chat tackling each other like at the start of the match, and then Moxley just slaps him across the face and gets a vicious chop to Takeshita, but he's not backing down. He had a great primal scream at one point when he was really starting to build momentum in this match. Regardless, though, like um, Moxley was able to hit a uh, paradigm shift, got him in a bulldog choke after doing uh, the Death Rider as well, um, and that was when he got Takeshita to cat- tap out. And... Uh, William Regal wanted to say something about CM Punk, but I was like, shut the fuck up. Like, stop it. Like, don't say shit. Like, you can't say shit. Um, but I um, I will say, too, um, like I said, it's it's really cool to see Moxley get these types of, like, appearances and matches as AEW uh, uh, champ now that fans are in attendance. I said it last week, and again, it's it's still true to the, that, that he really deserved a really good run. And despite the fact that it came at Punk's injuries uh, 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 to make it happen, it's just been really cool to see. Um, but yeah, this was one of uh, this was one of my favorite matches. Not not my favorite match on the show. We'll get to that. But this was still a damn good solo match. So you know what this match reminded me of? Go ahead, Jimmy uh, Willer Yuta's uh, kind of uh, Blackpool Combat Club edition ma- audition matches. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was, like, very much in the vein, and I don't know if that's where it was going because they didn't really build that up on commentary, but it's just, like, to get in the Black Kegel Combat Club, as John Moxley said, you have to bleed with him, right? Right. He bled with him. He took his best moves, and he finally tapped out. I mean, as far as all the stipulations that the other people have done, I mean, he's Black Bull Combat Club, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I would like to see that. Yeah, I don't like I said, I don't know if that's where they're going, but they kind of got to watch that because you set up Willa Yuta in this way, and it was just like so. Anytime you see somebody with like in a face versus face match, and they start bleeding and they take his best moves, you're like, oh, are they going into Black Bull Combat Club? So it was just, I don't know, I don't know what to catch just. Uh, if this is just a you know a temporary trip over to America to see how he does, or if he's over here, I wouldn't say permanently, but if he's going to be over here for a while, 
I mean, it wouldn't be bad for, a, you know, just kind of like he's been killing it and putting on all these great matches. Yeah. Uh, aligning with the Blackpool Combat Club, especially in Brian Daniels' absence, it's not a bad idea. But uh, I really did enjoy this match. Uh, I am not as high on him as a lot of people are. And it's just I am one of those people. And you've seen it on the show, especially on if you've listened to the show long enough, especially with Darby Allen, I, I don't close my mind to someone. I don't just say, hey, I don't get them. And no, I will keep watching. And my opinion changes, you know, depending mm-hmm. on it. Right now, not really emotionally involved with Takeshita, but I am very, very impressed with his uh, actual in-ring work. Um uh, I want to see where it goes. I am, I am like cautiously optimistic about where he could end up. Yeah, and I think there's still plenty of room for him to like showcase even more of his ability. Um, but he's just been so good since he's gotten here that like you know you have to kind of just see where this goes and what he is able to accomplish because he's got so much to give. I feel like um, there was a nice little message after this of the House of Black with. Uh, Oh, my God. Uh, why am I blanking on her name? Uh, Julia Hart. And uh, they did a nice little reference to the Zoomies attack from Brody King to uh, Darby Allen, where Darby was doing his signing for his uh, clothing brand and stuff like that or and uh, skate brand. And Brody King showed up, crashed it, and beat the shit and slammed uh, Darby Allen through a table. Thought it was really cool that they showed that, honestly. Um and we move off from that, and we had another appearance from Luchasaurus, newly Luchasaurus, and uh, Christian Cage. And they were staring down the Varsity Blondes, and he was like, I don't know about, uh, and I don't know either of you, um, but there's something annoying about the Varsity Blondes. It's like, Pillman, it's not even that stupid mullet you walk around with, but it's just like, you look you Pillman, you're just like Jungle Boy because you had a father, but your father was a legend in the Bills. This, uh, but that's other people's words. I thought he was average at best, and um, he thought uh, his father, Brian Pillman Senior, should be appalled that his final ca- contribution in the business was you. And then uh, Griff Garrison uh, was very much annoyed at a picture that he tweeted out, uh, and. The thing is, like, I didn't know why it annoyed me so much, Griff, but then I realized he looks just – he's like, Luchasaurus, does that look like Jungle Boy? And that's when Luchasaurus stormed down to the ring and beat the shit out of Griff. And then eventually after the match was over, he also beat up uh, Brian Pillman, and they slammed them both through a table. It took two tries, though, because the first time the table didn't want to break. Um Okay, um, it's very clear that this. I'm, I'm like, I'm kind of looking at this, and I'm like, you know, it might have been better if like Jungle Boy was able to return earlier because, like, this. I mean, I get it. We've had the joke of who the fuck is Griff Garrison on BTE, and like how they've made fun of how he looks like he looks like Hangman, he looks like uh, Jungle Boy a little bit, um, but it's like. I don't know. Like, I maybe it's supposed to like lean towards like you know Luchasaurus being like like under a trance where it's just like he's gotten him to be like hate Jungle Boy and beat the shit out of him if he sees him. Um, but like, I don't know. 
it didn't it didn't hit as well with me as um christian's previous segments and it's more so like you know i feel like there's gone it's been a little bit too much time where like we haven't seen jungle boy where we kind of need to see him now in this feud because christian's doing great on his own of course and you've got luchasaurus there as the scary big big man the the heater to go with christian but it's just i feel like this was kind of filler like a filler to the segment where we're waiting for jungle boy to come back to get into this feud with uh christian and they kind of just had to use this because they couldn't use jungle boy yet and that's that's what i took of it i know like it's it's a bit more snarky to view that way but it's just like this segment was not as amazing as christian's previous segments that he's had in this feud yeah um I honestly, I don't think they like Brian Pillman and Griff Garrison, talented as they are, they haven't done enough for the fans to care about them getting beat up. Right. If they brought Fuego out and he beat up Fuego, way more heat. Sure. That's someone that people like. And it's just like they've been beat up every time they've been on TV for like the last year. So why do I care that uh, Luchasaurus is beating them up? Like, to me, I always say I watch TV emotionally. I was not emotional tied to this segment at all. Christian kind of said the same thing he's been saying, but just said it to Brian Pillman, which honestly, I think MJF said it better to Brian Pillman when he did it. So it's just like this whole segment just felt like this is the third week in a row. It's like, okay, Let's move the story forward. Or, mm-hmm. you know, you could have even went without this segment. You know, Yeah, I mean, honestly. Or you like, and then without. Especially Christian. considering, especially considering how the main event got rushed because the match ran long. Yeah, it's like what Luchasaurus just could have came out to his regular music, beat the crap out of him. And Christian could have got on the mic and been like, that's what you get for looking like Jungle Boy or something like that. I don't know. It just this segment did kind of feel stale. Yeah, no, and it's it's a shame because again, like I said, I've loved everything Christian's been doing as a heel up until this point, but this segment just kind of was just and like you know it wasn't it just wasn't like it didn't hit as well as the previous one. But regardless, uh, we had a little backstage segment building to Rampage about how John Silver and Alex Reynolds called out the House of Black. That would go into Rampage for that last week. And then uh, Jim Ross comes out, um, and I, I see that it's it's now been confirmed pretty much that Jim Ross is hour two of Dynamite. He's not on the first hour, um, which I think is a good move, and they've kind of moved uh, – uh, well, not all the time, I feel like, but they've moved uh, Tony Schiavone now to backstage interview uh, 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 role. And – yeah, I think having Jim Ross on the second hour is a smart move, honestly. You know, like, if you're going to keep using him, like, it's very clear, like, he's 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 not he's not his typical self that he used to be back when he was in his prime. But I think having him on there still in, in the last hour of Dynamite helps really propel that forward to being, like, still keep watching and stuff like that. Um, I will say, though, because when we got into the match between the Blackpool Combat Club uh, with uh, Claudio and this and the Jericho Appreciation Society with Jake Hager, we had the clash of the real Americans and uh, we the people really clashing. William Regal, of course, hopped on with it being a BCC match. 
And Jesus Christ, there's too many people on commentary. Like, I'm sorry. People are talking over each other. People aren't getting their shit in. It's like, I I love everybody on commentary. There's too many fucking people. And I say it all the time. Four people commentating is the bane of my existence. You can do with three. I'm okay with three. I prefer two. That's just how I've always preferred it because there's still way more room for you to go off on people. Three is, like, fine, but four is too much. Like, I get it. Like, Regal is the guest who comes on, and, like, they always have guests normally for certain matches and whatnot. But it's just people talking over each other, and it happened so much in this match that it bothered the hell out of me. The match was outstanding. Claudio and Jake Hager reigniting their feud I thought was great. I liked having uh, JAS members like Daddy Magic and stuff uh, coming out and Angela Parker coming out to really try to make it seem like, oh, is J.K. you're going to steal a win? I like the inclusion of that. I love that, like, Claudio, for pretty much almost all of his singles matches, just comes out the gate with a fucking uppercut, like, every single time and tries to end the match as quickly as possible. I love that that's kind of become a trend with him and his matches. Um, and they did really good. Like, these two guys are very familiar with each other. They've done great matches in the past. Um, and... I'm fucking over the moon that Claudio's still here. Like I'm so happy. He was one of my must wants for AEW. So I'm I'm overjoyed about it. I'm glad that he's on Death Before Dishonor as well. Claudio being on that show. Ooh, it's got me hyped. It's gonna make it's gonna be crazy cool to see him back in Ring of Honor for sure. Um, but yeah, once again I will constantly complain. When you get up to four people on commentary, too much talking over each other, and it's, it drives me fucking insane as somebody who's so anal about commentary because I love this shit so much. Um, I will say I would like to see William Regal more in a, an occasional thing on commentary, more in a manager role. I want to see him outside of the ring uh, telling people what to do, especially when he's right. in there. I think he's, he's the manager of the Blackpool Combat Club. He shouldn't be on commentary. Yeah, and look, I, I love pretty, I love really Regal because he's yeah he's really funny. Regal's really entertaining, but like I had the same problem with him in uh, NXT when like the early days of NXT when like you know they weren't even on the network at that point. Um, when he commentated, like he stammers a bit too much for my liking. He's not as quick as like with like the super ad lib like call the action in the ring. Like he loves to pull shit like historical stuff but like he tends to stammer a little bit more too much for my liking which again not a knock on him but like he's not always been like a commentator to me again he's a teacher he is a get in your ear tell you what to do like what he's doing what he's doing right now is like whatever but like he should be like arn anderson with cody like you should be right there with them like right at ringside being there with your guys, especially Yuta, like like Floyd said, because I mean, like that's your young boy, pretty much. Like not not in a disrespectful way, but like he's the youngest guy in the group. He's the newest member. Like it makes well besides Claudio who just joined, but like he should be down there. Is what I like again. That's that's I think he he fits so much more in that role. It just it makes the most sense. And while he is unbelievably entertaining on commentary, like and just just entertaining as a person man in the mask i think is a great little line to call excalibur but like regardless like he's still not he's not there with commentary where i want him on every single week for bcc matches yeah i completely agree i mean i love william regal 
was ecstatic when he joined, but it was just like, oh, he's going to be a manager here. And it's like, okay, if you're going to be a manager, manage. You know? Yes. Just go, you go manage and you be great. Be great at it. But yeah, I'm just, yeah. So I think we're done with that part. Right? Yeah, absolutely. We then had a backstage interview with Thunderstorm where we mentioned about how, um, also, I will say, because they showcased um, the two dark matches that we had that were overseas with Thunder Rosa, uh, where she, who did she lose to uh, again? Mayu I can't remember. Or may, me. Good Lord. Apo- apologies to us. We're stupid, dumb Americans. Yes. Uh, I had it. And I actually watched the match. It was very enjoyable. Yeah, it was very enjoyable. I watched both of them because then, of course, you had uh, Pac facing Shota Umino uh, at RevPro for the first title defense of the All-Atlantic Championship, which I love. I love the fact that Pac's defending his title in his home country where they love him so, so much. Like, I think that was awesome. I love the fact that they did that. Yamashita. There you go. And then we had that in Japan. And Thunder Rosa took the surprise loss where we've confirmed that they will be facing each other for the uh, AEW Women's Championship somewhere down the road. But while that was happening and Thunder Rosa was building up Thunderstorm with her and Tony Storm, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, and Jamie Hayter show up. And they talked, like, used a bunch of uh, weather puns to talk about how they deal with thunderstorms and stuff like that. But it all built up to Rebel coming up and proceeding to hand a sandbag towards Thunder Rosa in in the nice little reference to how people were saying that she was sandbagging Marina Shafir. And I was just like, okay, all right. Because honestly, if for the people that don't, like, aren't aware about her sandbagging Marina Shafir, it actually worked because what do you use to stop flooding? Sand. Sandbag. So yes. If for the people, for the people that like aren't on the internet all the time and just watching every week, it made sense. Sure, and it's still, it it's also still, yeah, made sense on a deeper level for us that knew the kind of absolutely was going on there, and and that's that's a hard thing to play. It's a hard line to walk. walk. Yeah, yeah, because you know, a lot of people could have been like, okay, well, I, I like what the what the hell was the same bad thing, right? But it, it sandbags are used both ways, so I thought that was pretty cool. I did too. Yeah, I thought it was really fucking sick that that was included, and I'm um, I'm all for that being involved too. Because again, like I said, it's just a really cool um, nod that like it's it's not beat your head uh, stupid or just on your head like you know like oh do you get it like it's just a really cool like nod that like the hardcore fans can get and people that like just watch TV, watch the television show and stuff like that can get. So moving off of that backstage interview, though, we had Dark Order's Anna Jay going one-on-one with Serena Deeb. Of course, Anna Jay being from Georgia, where the, we this this show took place in Savannah, Georgia. Um, these two did really good. Like, Anna Jay had a really good match with Serena. Like, they, I love Serena Deeb. I will tout her every single day because she is by far one of the best women's wrestlers, if not one of the best wrestlers on the AEW roster. Um, Anna looked great. I thought she got some great work. When she was able to lock the Queenslayer on and the way that crowd came alive, I was like, fuck yeah. Like, get into this shit. I mean, like, it was really cool. Regardless, though... Um, it was a nice counter by Serena Deeb to get the Serenity lock in, and Anna had to tap out. 
They wouldn't let go. She wouldn't let go of the hold until we had the Ring of Honor Women's World Champion Mercedes Martinez comes down, and we tease, of course, to the fact that we're going to get Mercedes Martinez and Serena Deeb for the ROH uh, Women's Title at Death Before Dishonor. So nice little thing there. And yeah, this match was good. Like Anna Jay looked really good, I felt like, and she got great reactions from her hometown crowd. Serena Deeb is still outstanding. Um, for your one women's match on the show, I enjoyed, and we'll actually talk about a uh, women's feud that I'm very interested in uh, blossoming uh, once we once I pass this off to Floyd real quick so he can talk about this match as well. Well, Anna J is super improved, and I think she may be right there and right to be able uh, right to be pushed to that next level. I don't know what they would. <laughs> What they would do, would they align her with someone else? But I, I just think, you know, it's almost time for her to graduate from the position she's been playing. Yeah, I think she's definitely getting close to that point where she should be, like, you know, utilized more and, like, not seen as, like, somebody who's, like, on the cusp of, like, making the jump uh, to being, like, uh, like championship worthy or whatever but i think she's like she's pretty much surpassed it at this point this was really a great moment of being like no she's been here and she's great so like pay attention and shit like that um and then we had um after this two uh interview moments where we had jay lethal sanjay dutt and satnam saying crash the broadcast booth to talk about how lethal was going to embarrass samoa joe at death before dishonor for the roh television championship so we got a a tease to that we then had uh, Tony Schiavone try to interview Anna Jay after her loss. And then Ty Conti, former friends of uh, Tay uh, Jay, um, she interrupts Ty uh, Conti and says, like, basically, you're doing shit. Make better choices in your, uh, for your career. Look how well I'm doing. Um, think about it because, like, I do care about you and shit like that. So Ty Conti being facetious and using the fact that like they they were friends pretty much but like you know ty's gone off and done the things that she's done with one and only sammy guevara so you know uh this is a feud i want to see i would love to see a ty conti and a j feud because honestly while i do think anna i mean a ty uh being the valet for sammy guevara is a solid uh bit let's not forget ty was tearing it up before all this shit came out and everything like that. And she was doing really good work in her uh, wrestling ability. Like, she had looked better than she ever did, like, when she was uh, just a uh, non-entity on NXT. Um, so I think she's improved dramatically. She was great, like, had great matches with uh, uh, Britt Baker and such like that. So... Anna Jay versus Ty Conti, you want a women's feud that's not based around a title? There you go, because I think that feud could do really, really well, because, I mean, hell, people already hate the shit out of Ty, and Anna showcased how good she can be, and with her being partnered with Dark Order, that's a fan-favorite group, go for it. I think this feud would be great. I think people would really buy into this, and I would hope they would, because, again, this this has got baggage to it, and it's a feud where you get to see women's wrestling that's not... Sheeta and Serena Deeb, and it's not TBS Championship or Women's World Championship. Like, there you go. So, and the best thing is they were friends. Yes. So there's a natural heat there. 
People love TJ. I'm like, I have my little tag team wall of my AEW figures, and pretty much the only women's tag team I have up there is TJ because I love them as a team so much. So I'm like really looking forward to this rivalry. And when you're kind of real life friends, you can go a little harder. And I, I you know, and that's something I can't say it's missing, but the matches are always better in the women's division when they're a lot more physical and they're going to go and try to knock the crap out of each other. So I am looking forward to that. Absolutely. But now we move to the main event of night one of fighter fest, the AEW world tag team title match between the young bucks swerve in our glory and team Taz, of course, with Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland powerhouse Hobbs and the FTW champion, absolute Ricky Starks. There was really good spots. Of course, this was great where like, um, uh, Keith League was in the ring and Matt was like absolutely not fucking wanting to deal with Keith Lee early on in the match and ran out to tag Nick. Um, but like this match built all the way to the final moments where they were just going balls out in like the last fucking five or six minutes. Like again, there was so much shit in this match. Like the unfortunately swerve in our glory's championship win was a bit rushed because they were short on time which was Dude, a bump but when keith jumped over the top and cleared when he it, oh my god that is just an unreal it blows my mind that he can do that yes like he cleared it it wasn't like oh sometimes when you see the big guys they kind of roll over the top sure no, sure sure he cleared it both feet and right landed on them soared literally soared over that top row like outstanding and then swerve gets the pin after that in the ring uh with his stomp which was great yeah but there was so much shit in like the final five or six minutes of this match like you can't go through all of it it was unreal levels of action they were just everyone was getting their shit and just killing it like seriously i'm loving the fact that Hobbs and ricky starks have really come into their own because i remember when team taz was fucking an afterthought like no one gave a shit about team taz but now Hobbs and ricky have absolutely come into their own and have become like really popular like considering like you've got you got you got two you got swerve and keith lee and the young bucks on the other end and those two guys are still getting out really, really good reactions, especially Ricky, of course. Um, but Hobbs is no slouch. This dude gets great reactions as well. The fact that they were in there as well and getting like crazy pops too. Shout out to them. Like I'm, I love the fact that they have really bounced back from like when in the pandemic eras, like Team Taz. No one gave a shit about Team Taz. Yeah, if you haven't been paying attention to the Tuesday Road Two shows that come on at five uh on tuesdays on the, the AEW. yeah 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 ricky starks has been killing it with his promos on there i mean like every time alpha park home run uh, uh cody calls him baby rock because you put a mic in his hands he i mean right now he's a heel quote unquote but you know they're they he seemed to be grabbing that, that uh, other level and in losses they are getting a lot more attention. And it was kind of funny to, uh, after the show, if you were keeping track of the match and who was legal and not legal, uh, 
Yeah, the illegal man did not get pinned. And Tony Khan, they was like, a lot of people speculate. Yeah, it said that it was an invalid win, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people speculated it was an invalid win because their brains are, as we say, WWE-fied. You know, uh, so Tony Khan had to come in and was like, no. I mean, referees, decisions, final, the titles change. They're the champions. And it's funny that he would even have to come out and say that. Uh-huh. But People's brains have been broken by the other company so much. Oh yeah, that he has to come out and say what would be considered common sense to him. You know what I mean? He has to come out and say, "Hey, yeah, I know, I know, you've been screwed over in the past. You've been made to think something happened and it didn't happen. Well, this happened. I promise you, it happened. It's not going away. <laughs> it happened, <laughs> and it's like the fact that you have to do that is kind of." It's hilarious to me. So, no, but this was beautiful. Great match. Uh, I am very happy for Keith Lee and for Swerve. Um, You know, um, they both came over from NXT. Uh, This is, they are the second fastest from their debut to win their titles. They are the second fastest uh, champions ever. Who, uh, oh man. There's this team that talks about seven stars. They have to be. Yeah, see, here's the deal. Um, I was going to say this, too, before I even let you go off on that, because, of course, we had the little tease of Swerve possibly hitting, hitting Keith Lee with the tag team title belts. See, I heard a couple chants for FTR before the match even started. And if we're being honest, if we're going to get that eight star, um, what better way to do it than Swerve fucking over Keith Lee? Um, and then your boys FTR go out and they win the tag team titles or not fucking them over, but basically like they like shit fucks up and then Swerve flips out on Keith Lee. Like who's the best team to take that and get that eight star It's your boys. It is my boys, but I, I, I really, I, 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 in this case, you know, I, I will always take moments to, uh, love on my team. But I really do want to be like, I really, I'm going to be mature today, which I don't practice very often. But I'm going to be mature and give Keith Lee and Swerve their moment. Yes. Former NXT champion Keith Lee basically almost died in the WWE. Very open about that. Yeah. This big athletic monster. Somehow a company that celebrates giants couldn't figure out a way to use them. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I'm glad they didn't. But really, it's like a company that celebrates giants couldn't find a way to use this athletic marvel, and which is no the idea. only way I can describe this man is he shouldn't be able to do what he does. Like, period. It defies physics a lot of times that a man that big can be that agile and fly like he flies, but he does it. Mm -hmm. And it's just a fight that you just can't say, hey, look at this fighting big athletic man and what he can do defies logic to me. But, and then Swerve. Swerve very much well as far as yeah, seriously, one thing I want to say, too, is the moment where they fucking, him and Nick flipped out of the ring and were yeah. doing fucking, like, identical flippy shit was unreal, like, near the beginning of the match. Got I had to add that in real quick. But I did want to say Swerve might be the most versatile wrestler in in the world. He's, like, technical style. Flying, yeah. 
you know, agility, put him on the mic, put him at heel, put him at face. He might be like the most versatile wrestler in the world. And we can't find anything to do with him. Shit, we didn't even let him debut on the main roster. Like, of course all the not. Way. And it's just like, don't really get this, but I'm glad they're home because AEW's home now. They are the tag team champions. Yes. Obviously, this is going somewhere. We, we, everybody knows that this tag team is not permanent, but it's going to be no. fun to watch while you can because these dudes can do everything. And it's just like, yeah, I'm looking forward to this first black tag team champions as in both guys are african-american yeah not just one scorpio was champion i'm not i'm not over there but this is the first time a tag team duo that are african-american won the title swerving our glory uh yeah and it was a great way to start off fire fest uh fighter fest we went into so i'm yeah Yeah. i'm really it was good yeah, we move into night two with AEW Rampage for Fighter Fest, opening up with the Dark Orders, John Silver and Alex Reynolds facing uh, the Black Throne, the the Black, yeah, uh, Kings of the Black Throne. Yeah, Kings of the Black Throne, but they're still the uh, the House of Black, regardless. Uh, Malachi Black and Brody King with Julia Hart at their side. Um, these guys did great. Like again, John Silver and Reynolds is definitely the one thing I would say in um dark order that consistently i uh, oof, i don't really know if i even want to say that because again of course you got uno who i love uno um and then you've got 10 who is really good as well but like i would say if you're gonna point towards the best part of uh, dark order right now it would probably be silver and reynolds like these two guys just work really well and i mean silver is pretty much the face of uh well, that's a lie. No, negative one is the face of Dark Order now. Uh, but if you're going to talk about like active wrestlers, it's silver. Absolutely so. And yeah, no, uh, these guys did well, but they weren't going to have any way of stopping Brody King and Malachi Black. They're just too good at this point. Um, they were able to at least really do a good uh, double team move to tease a possible win but it wasn't going to happen at all regardless malachi black nails the black mass on uh, jo- uh reynolds and uh and silver and basically dante's inferno goes into reynolds he gets pinned by brody king they were leaving and then fucking hiding in the goddamn fucking dark on the on the on the uh stage like a bat out of hell comes Darby Allen, who just fucking dives at Brody. And I'm just like, let's go. Like, this dude's insane. And they're just beating the hell out of each other. Brody and uh, Malachi and Darby are all going at each other. And But then Sting comes out, and that's when uh, Darby is able to go after Brody's uh, leg after Sting distracts him. And they start going after it, and then eventually they fight throughout the entire crowd everyone's going after each other and it was it was great like i'm so excited for this feud i think this feud is going to be wonderful oh it's going to do something for both of them uh it really is as far as this uh feud between darby and brody king i'm looking forward to the match uh i i said something on on my page and you know my the guy retweeted my favorite thing I, you know, as much as I love AEW, Shield, 
all that good stuff that people say about uh people say my favorite thing about aew is the treatment of sting always and i will say this whether it is booking if you want to use that term but when i grew up sting was the franchise first he was the up-and-comer i was i'm that that i was that young when he started he was the up-and-comer then he was the franchise and then you know he was the icon and it's just like he feels like the icon sting he feels like this larger than life character again he feels like what i grew up on you know one of my first regular wrestling figures was a sting wcw figure probably my first favorite wrestler i generally get confused because you know this is a long time ago at this point but he was one of my first favorite wrestlers because he had paint and when i was little i had a thing for people with paint if you had paint on your face i rooted for you i didn't care so uh that being said it's just like him in malachi black and they're just staring at each other and they're just staring at each other and there's this respect and it's just like you know you know, he could have just tried to black mask him and put him down because he's a kind of an older guy. But no, Sting is still held up to that standard that Sting has earned being in wrestling for how long he's been in wrestling. He has earned the respect that he has. And the fact that AEW pays it every time, it's a love for Sting and it passes on to the company. So eventually we're going to get Kings of the Back Throne versus uh darby and sting and it's just like oh my god that's gonna be awesome oh yeah no literally and again like floyd said sting is just treated with such an utmost of respect that like you don't see a ton when it comes to legends in that time frame of their career so like i, I really i love every time i see him because it's it feels it feels like sting it doesn't feel like a shell of what he was it feels like Sting, they've done a great job of keeping him like mesmerizing and iconic. Um, there was a backstage segment after this with Miro basically talking about the House of, B- of Black and possibly saying, "Did you send the House of Black to destroy me, me, my God, or did you send him them to recruit me?" So, little tease there of like miro joining the house of black i don't see that happening but it's a nice little tease i would say um and then we'll move off to the ring of honor world championship match between jonathan gresham and lee moriarty already out here defending his title even though death before dishonor is coming up already so it's just like what the fuck ever so we had uh, caprice coleman come out from from ring of honor it was good to see him even though i would have preferred ian riccaboni in my opinion uh <laughs> either way though uh, this was a nice Ring of Honor uh, title defense. Um, we uh, we got to see a good bit of uh, uh, Blanchard Enterprises as well uh, with Tully, Brian Cage, Gates Van Arke being there too. It's good seeing those guys. Um, and yeah, no, Gresham was able to get the nice tap out win with the Octopus. And yep, it was a pretty sig- uh, decent win for him. Um, and then he got on the mic basically being like, you fans don't know what you're talking about. You're going to see my face on AEW every single week from this now. I'm going to go and outclass all of your favorites because I'm the best hold-for-hold wrestler in the world. Claudio Castagnoli comes out, sets his eyes on that ROH World Championship, and Jonathan Gresham, 
uh, has to deal with Claudio Castagnoli looking down the barrel of his sights for that ROH World Championship. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. And then we found out that it was confirmed Jonathan Gresham defending his world title against Claudio Castagnoli at Death Before Dishonor. That right there is already elevates. Like, again, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to Gresham. He is a really damn good wrestler and has done a solid job in Ring of Honor for the time frame that he's been there. But now that we've got Claudio in the mix for the world title, his match just got elevated 10 times more where it's like you were okay with that going on last. Because before, it was like the television title match had to go on last. Lethal and Joe had to go on last. Like, you couldn't have – there was no other way. But now that we know that Gresham is defending the world title against Claudio, like, there you go. There's an opponent where already people are like, yes, I want to see Gresham lose to Claudio. So Claudio becomes the world champion of Ring of Honor. Back in Ring of Honor for the first time in God knows how long. Well, no, let me just say this. And I'm going to say this as plainly as plainly as I can. I have not found Nagy W fan that gives a flying fuck about Jonathan Gresham. I don't know if it's wrestling style or nothing. Just doesn't seem to be connecting with the audience there. I I've been on record as saying the least built match and the least match that I cared about on this death before this honor pay-per-view was the world title match. For me, it could come on first. It could be on the fucking pre-show. I'm just saying before I knew it was Claudio. Uh, that's how I felt about the match. Then they added Claudio. Claudio's the name. Hot free agent. Okay. I care about the match. Let's go. Still don't think... I, there's one match that I obviously think should main event. I mean, come on. You know who I am. You know what the match... And seriously, not even just who I am. There have been two matches that have been consistent. Success have been. There are certain matches that have been uh, consistently built better than the rest of the card. Samoa Joe versus uh, Samoa Joe versus Gresh, um, Lethal, which has literally been built since the previous pay per view. That, that's been built, and then the other match is FTR versus Briscoe. Those are the two best belt matches on this card. Yeah. I mean, they should probably main event. But you do have a world title. And I am a person that believes the world title deserves its respect. But it's just like, when you're building to this match, I'm looking at the card, and I'm like, I like Gresham and Claudio. Do you want them to have to follow FTR and the Briscoes? It's going to be hard. Like, I, like, people will be very happy for Claudio, but... It's it's going to be hard. I don't know who watched Supercard of Honor. The energy in the building was Oh, great. it was sapped. It was sapped after those two. After STR and the Briscoes, it just went down. And they got it back when Samoa Joe came out. But it was like, why would you do this to the teams? Why would you do this to everyone else? Putting FTR and the Briscoes on first or in the middle is a disservice to everybody that has to work after build up to that main event, whatever. But like I said, uh, Gresham, uh, him and Claudio, going to be a great technical match. 
I love the wild card, which is Tully Blanchard. But I'm just saying, after you see what... If, let's just say FTR and Briscoe just does what they did last time, right? Do you want to follow that up with a technical wrestling match? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, it's... It's, I'm just saying, energy-wise, do you want to follow that with the technical wrestling? I don't. I don't think you do. Yeah, I, just no, think... Like, I just. I just don't think you do. I'm just like, but hey, man, I'm a fan. I'll be watching it at home. I've already ordered the pay per view. Let's go. But yeah, I, I just don't. I mean, Jonathan Gresham right now does not connect with the AEW audience as a bad guy or as a good guy. He just doesn't connect with them right now. I'm yeah. hoping it gets better. I'm Same. always rooting for him to get better. I'm not going to root against the man. I hope he gets better, but as of right now, he's not connected. No. And then we had a backstage uh, moment with Christopher Daniels having words about Jay Lethal, basically being like, you know, as someone who's wrestled Samojo many times in his career, like, Jay, the best time to talk, talk, talk tough about Joe is when he's not in the same building or even the same state. And he was just like basically saying, as one of his best friends, when he finally gets his hands on UJ, he's going to teach you one more lesson, which is how to get choked out at death before dishonor. But like, if you keep putting your name in his mouth, maybe I'll slap it out. So Christopher Daniels talking about possibly getting getting the grabs with Jay Lethal. Okay. Yeah, I, I love it because if you you know real life, AJ Styles on the WWE Network, he's like, who are the two people? That you're calling in the morning if you're ever in problems. And he always said, Christopher Daniels, Samoa Joe. So those three have been tight for a very, very long time. Oh, One yeah. The first five-star matches in TNA history. Samoa Joe, Christopher Daniels, AJ, AJ Styles. Styles. So, so good. The fact that Christopher Daniels has his back just makes perfect sense. I love the continuity. God, is that, is that a word I just used in wrestling? Continuity. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, stuff that happened before, we're playing on it now. It's a beautiful thing. I love, and I love Christopher Daniels because every time he can get in the ring, he can go. The oh only, yeah, only time Christopher Daniels messed up was when it was a part of the gimmick. And so that dude is really good at what he does. So having him uh, wrestle, or, you know, having him build up the beef with Jonathan Gresham, maybe can get this match a little more heat going into Death Before Dishonor. Yeah, and then you had, uh, after this, Chris Statlander and Athena go up against uh, Charlotte and uh, Robin Renegade. Um, nice little quick win for them, obviously, to, to keep uh, using these two as they build towards uh, Athena and uh, Chris getting their hands on the baddies. Afterwards, Layla Gray got in the ring and started uh, shouting in Athena's face, and that's when uh, Gray was tossed in the ring by Statlander, and... Um, they started really uh, beating up on her until Kira Hogan came in and Jade Cargill also showed up. And that's when Chris's knee got taken out and Jade got uh, Athena and planted her. And um, yeah, it's uh, it's very much clear how like Stokely is all about Layla being a new member of the baddies. But not sure if they're okay with it. They're still very much like, and they had a segment last on Dynamite as well, where they're just like, "You were a poser baddie. You were just uh, here for a placeholder spot, whatever." Um, and yeah, this is fine enough, you know. Like we're still building towards when Athena, Chris Statlander, and the baddies start going at it, like in a match, or when we get Athena versus 
Jade Cargill, which um, that'll be great when we get that. But yeah, this was fine. I really don't have much else to add to. Yeah, it was fine. I do love the dissension that that this whole baddies and Stokely Hathaway is just not going off without a hitch. There's a little dissension there. It adds oh, yeah. to it. It keeps it. It keeps it fresh, even though we haven't got a Jade match in like you know a little bit. Absolutely. The gun club then came out and explained why they turned against the acclaimed. And Billy was like, look, everyone's upset. I get it. Everyone loves the acclaimed. I love the acclaimed. It's like, but I treated them like they were my own kids because there just comes a time when daddy ass has to drop the hammer and the acclaimed comes out. No raps. They are just straight up in the faces of the gun club. And the ass boys then have Billy Gunn go and go like, guys, I know how to settle this. Everyone in the building wants to see it one more time, and then we can just walk away, go our separate ways. Scissor me. Like, give daddy ass a nice scissor. And that's when uh, Billy Gunn got kicked right in the mouth by the acclaimed, and the ass boys in the acclaimed start brawling, going after each other, and uh, yeah. I'm all for this. Again, like I said, it was a stupid pairing that was like really much sold by scissor me daddy ass, if we're being honest. Uh, but it worked. I, I can't deny that it didn't work. Um, and I'm I'm excited to see the Gun Club in a legitimate feud uh, with a tag team that's not like, you know, a one-off sort of thing. I think this is something that they can do consistently uh, for a little while. Um, and yeah, Billy Gunn being the heater on this whole thing is wonderful because he's still a bastard. Absolutely. Um, this... This broke my heart because I love these four people. I know, and I was really, I was really hoping Billy Get Gun chose the claim. I just thought, thought, th- I thought that would add something to it, and I don't know. Uh, it's it's great. I just, I'm very uh, excited for this. Both teams kind of needed something, and a rivalry between the two uh, will be crazy. And um, you know what I'm kind of waiting on, and some people are not gonna like this because. A perceived thoughts on the person, but when the uh, claimed and the ass boys have their match, and out with the came comes Road Dog Jesse James. <laughs> it has to happen, right? I don't know. It has to happen. It feels like a a company that is so good at using veterans and stuff. It feels like you know I've like I said I remember everybody would call Max. John Cena. He was like, he a young John Cena. And I was like, I never saw John Cena. My thing was uh, him and the Bowens were Road Dog and Billy Gunn, like a new version of them. I know, and because, you know, Road Dog used to come out like, dun, 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 and he would just talk shit basically. Oh, yeah. And rap all the way down to the ring and, and talk about the other people, kind of like what Max Caster did. And then what did Billy do? Suck it in. Everyone loves the acclaimed. It's it, it the parallels between the acts work because of the parallels between the acts working. You have to have Road Dog. You have to. Yeah, I'm, I, I jury's still out on that, but you know, like it, it, it would definitely get a pop. I think, if we're being honest. Oh, you didn't know. <laughs> you better call somebody. Um, we move to the main event of Rampage, Private Party versus the Lucha Bros. There's a little bit of a uh, 
kind of throwback like early AEW match scene private party and the lucha bros go at it and like let's not forget how good private party is because again these guys may have been like tethered to the hardy family office and then the andrade hardy family office and now uh still doing stuff with andrade and jose as as you can see as they were out with the matches out with the guys as well but regardless though let's not forget how good private party is this team has showcased over the years in AEW how good they are um, we've already touted the Lucha Bros all the time, but again, these guys are really good, and they had a really good match in this closing one. There was a nice little distraction uh, with uh, Jose, the assistant, and Alex Alex Alberhantes going at each other once again. I still love the fact that these two just will beat the shit out of each other all the time. Regardless, though, um, afterwards, uh, Andrade would interfere multiple times, and when the ref was distracted, that's when Rue shows up, knocks out Penta Oscuro, and regardless, though, Penta still countered Mark Quinn with a Canadian Destroyer, and Ray Phoenix got in, Black Fire Driver, they still get the win. So there was interference, but the babyfaces still get the win. I didn't think it was necessarily bad to say that Private Party maybe should have won this match with the amount of interference that was in there because the fact that they were able, the Lucha Bros were able to still get out of all the shenanigans that happened was kind of eh, I don't know like maybe that's just me maybe they did maybe they didn't want the heels to go over as the last match on Rampage maybe but regardless the Lucha Bros are over as hell I don't think it's fair to say I think it's fair to say that like private party could have used a win here if i'm being honest even if it was because of rush and andrade and all of them like i kind of think the finish i would have preferred them to have like the interference actually means something because honestly it seems like rush and andrade doing all the shit they did amounts to nothing because they were still able to win the match i i don't know i think he'll should win sometimes you know Right. It doesn't happen a lot. So I would have liked to see Lucha Bros leave, lose this time. But since it seems to be building to something bigger, I'm going to go ahead and wait. But in my reaction with, uh, I have to agree with my co-host here that uh, it felt like Private Party should win. And I feel like Private Party needs something. Yes. Like when they first started, they were like one of the hotter tag teams. And it feels like they've been pushed down and pushed down and pushed down. And there's this perfect division in a company that is adjacent that doesn't really have any X. Private party to ROH? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. But regardless of the fact, though, we I talked about it last week how I said, like, it's okay for, like, your heels to get wins. We mentioned this before. And, again, since you had interference in the match already, that's this instance where we're like, okay, we understand that's a re- way, or an area where a private party can get the win because are they better than the Lucha Bros? No, probably not. But if you got interference with all this shit going on outside and all the chaos with Alex and Jose fighting each other and Andrade jumping up and getting kicked and then still jumping up and then Roosh coming down and fucking bulldozing over people, like – if you're having all that shit happen, and then the babyfaces still manage to overcome the odds, like unless we're like Floyd said, unless we're building to something down the road with with this with this feud, like how am I supposed to feel any like danger or uncertainty for the babyfaces in this feud? Because if they're able to overcome all that shit to still win, then like what the fuck am I looking forward to? Like I'm sorry, there's got to be a little bit more peril in this type of shit, and. 
sure you might want to sh- close off the show with like you know a good closing moment or with the baby faces being on top whatever but the lucha bros are they can take a loss and private party needs something right now that's this was probably the one thing from this week i was kind of like really kind of like no see i'm i'm against this i'm willing to see what you do with it but i'm against this yeah i want to see what they do with it but yeah i would have liked to see with all that interference private party wins now if uh, andrade said screw it you got to do it on your own yeah, I would have been like, oh, okay, that's cool. At least it was kind of stated that way. But yeah, it was just okay. Let's see what's going on, and nothing really. Exactly. So yeah. Regardless, though, that was Fighter Fest Week One. Of course, Week Two starts off tonight when you guys are hearing this with uh, Night Three on AEW Dynamite. So we're gonna get the barbed wire everywhere match between Eddie Kingston and Chris Jericho. Darby Allen and Brody King are going to go one-on-one after their feud that was started beautifully in that uh, Rampage Rumble. Best friends are going to be tagging to face off against the Blackpool Combat Club with Wheeler Yuta and John Moxley. That should be fucking great. And then Varsity Blondes are going after Christian and Luchasaurus. Like, okay. Really hope that's where Jungle Boy comes back. And then we're going to get Chris Statlander, Athena, and Willow Nightingale in a sixth women's match against Jade Cargill, Kira Hogan, and Layla Gray. And that is Fighter Fest Night 2. And then, of course, we'll speed through Death Before Dishonor, which is coming up very soon, of course. Jonathan Gresham versus Claudio Castagnoli for the ROH World title. Jay Lethal, Samoa Joe, TV title. Mercedes Martinez and Serena Deeb for the women's title. Yuda and and uh, Daniel Garcia for the Pure Championship. And then, of course, the two out of three falls match for the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships between Seven Star FTR and the Briscoes looking for their quick revenge. All right. So I'm going to start Fighter Fest. Jericho versus Kingston barbed wire match could end up being a bloody mess, especially uh, with Kingston, who he loves and who he wants to see. Uh, my most in- that is like you know it's the main event so I'm really excited for it. But the most anticipated match is Darby Allen versus Brody King. I'm interested in the story they're going to tell. I, it's kind of because of injuries to Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish, they really did have to move more Darby on to the next thing. You know what I mean? It was just like, oh, we were kind of in this feud with Bobby Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly, but. Because of injuries, he had to move on to Brody King. So I'm really looking forward to this. Brody King's physically imposing. It's the kind of story you don't have to tell anyone. You just look at Brody King. You look at Darby Allen. That should be fun. Uh, and then I I think might still the show the best friends with Moxley and Yuta. Because, again, Mox, John Moxley, probably not one of my favorite wrestlers. Him, Yuta, Blackpool Combat Club... The way they have, they tell stories, every match they have is entertaining. The rest of the show is going to happen. That's the best way I can say it. As far as Death Before Dishonored, quick predictions from Floyd. I'm going Grisham over Claudio. I think they're really going to try to build Grisham up with a big hill run. Uh, I, I do think there's going to be interference from uh, uh, Tully Blanchard Enterprises. Might even get something with the Blackpool Combat Club interfering too. I am going Jay Lethal over Samoa Joe. I'm going hill heavy with that one. Uh, Jay Lethal over Samoa Joe. I think Jay Lethal 
and that group will do more for building the brand of ROH than Samoa Joe, who's kind of in and out of wrestling, who's not consistently on TV every week. Uh, Mercedes Martinez over Serena Deeb. I personally want Serena Deeb to win, but I think you want to establish your champion uh, in the women's division, establish the person at the top. So I think you go with Mercedes Martinez and give her a strong, uh, uh, strong, nice long run to start the uh, division again. Um, I'm going Willa Yuta over Daniel Garcia. I just think it kind of makes sense. Uh, I love Daniel Garcia uh, with his Kangol hat, but I just think you stick with Willa Yuta uh, as uh, as the strong. You know, you're building up that ROH pure division. I think Willa Yuta is a very good representative of that division. And FTR versus the Briscoes, FTR or I riot. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I honestly do think FTR is going to win. Uh, it more happens to do with the working relationship with the Briscoes. They can't really be on AEW television. If you notice how they built up this show, they really don't mention that match a lot. They can't be on AEW TV. So, yeah, I don't think they can win your titles, right? I mean, can your champions never be on your TV? Yeah, um, I will go through real quick my predictions. Uh, Claudio, Lethal, Mercedes, Yuta, Briscoes. I'm still going with Briscoes just because, yes, I understand like they, the working relationship between them isn't there really. I understand. But regardless, um, I just don't – I don't know. I don't know if FTR can truly win like back-to-back, like really. I don't know. No, and you know what? If it leads to a third FTR versus Briscoes match – of course warms warms my soul so if that's what you know if i have to watch my boys take an l to get a third one that i actually might get to be at i'm gonna go ahead and say yeah let's do it you know so but no i don't i don't i'm kind of like realistically i mean like i said emotions all that stuff the build it it feels like this is this is what i'm saying two out of three falls feels like the end of something right Sure. Uh, yeah. So if this was another singles match, I honestly would have went Briscoes because I would have been like, this is moving to a third. But two out of three falls is generally the end of it unless they're going to do a cage match. Uh, so, yeah, unless they're going to do a cage match or something like that, it feels like you go ahead and give FTR the two out of three falls wins, of course, win in the third fall, move the Briscoes on down that road. But. We, we're going to see. I'm looking forward to it. The fact that I don't know is a great feeling to have. For sure. Um, but that is our previews for Fighter Fest Week 2 and Death Before Dishonor. But I know we still have a couple headlines, um, mostly due to uh, injury reports. Of course, we already talked about Kenny Omega at the top of the show. But we still have some other injury reports to get to. Uh, Floyd, do you want to get to that? Well, like I said, just going to reiterate, Dave Meltzer, CM Punk is going to either be back in. All out or full gear, my personal feeling is if he's hell, hell, even somewhat near healthy enough to be at all out, he'll be at all out. It's uh, Chicago. Yeah, Adam Cole is foregoing surgery on his torn labrum, but it is going to take a while to heal. I've heard rumors that he could be out as much as like for the rest of the year. I don't know, but I wish Adam Cole a speedy recovery. Hopefully he can still stream. Man, 
He, yeah, man, just look at this roster when everyone gets healthy. You won't even know what to do. Like, people said the roster was too stacked, but this is why you stack a roster. This yes. Year. When you go through this injury bug where you got Brian Danielson, Kenny Omega, hey, uh, Brian Danielson, Kenny Omega, CM Punk, and Adam Cole, four guys that can headline most American companies all at the same time. Yeah, now you got John Moxley, you got Darby Allen, you got Sting, you got uh, Swerve in Our Glory, you got FTR, you got all these people that can just take a bigger role that they weren't having before, and you building up the reserves to one. It's next man up, you know. It's yeah. Next man up. That's that's what sports has taught me. If anything, it's next man up, and AEW has been doing well at it I, and, I mean i feel like tony should probably run the jaguars because they feel like they need him yeah at this point something has to be done because he's kind of he's kind of got this whole wrestling thing down right yeah. <laughs> it's like it's, it seems pretty like hey hey i know what to do no but i'm really looking forward to show this week fighter fest week two building into next week as we head on that road to all out so yeah that was all the news yeah and that's going to close it out for this episode of all things elite guys thank you so much for tuning in for this episode hopefully you guys enjoy night three and week three of fighter fest um of course guys continue to download this fine show as much as you possibly can on Google or Apple Podcasts. And if you listen to us on Spotify or wherever you listen to the show, please give us a share with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish. It really does mean the world to us. And, of course, if you have anything you would like to say about the show, uh, a rating and review is an easy way to do that, too. Engage with us. We'd love to talk to y'all, guys. The DMs on the Twitter is open. If you think we suck or you think we're great, tell us. Sure, or if you got any questions or anything like that, we'd love to hear it. We'd love to communicate with you guys. So, again, the Twitter the Twitter account is at ATElitePod. So reach out to us anytime. We'd love to hear from you guys. Tweet at us during shows, whatever you wish, if you want to go back and forth. Or just tweet about how much you hate CM Punk towards me, in which case I will block you. Yeah. <laughs> um, of course, at Social Suplex, those guys make this show possible. Please check out all the other wonderful shows they have on their network. And like I said, I am at Austin Sumowitz, S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z. And Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And with everything all wrapped up, I will go ahead and pass it off to Floyd so he can take us home on this episode of All Things Elite. Well, I am going to keep it short and sweet. I want to reach... My niece that doesn't listen to this show at all, Erica, happy birthday. She is 10 years younger than me, so she is 31. I hope your day is great. Um, And I believe today is Evil Uno's birthday. I think tomorrow's Thunder Bros' birthday. There's a lot of Jabalai birthdays in AEW, so I want to wish everyone a happy birthday. But I, again, thank you for all for taking a moment, a second, everything to listen to the show. We appreciate you, and I want to leave you with how I always leave you. Be nice to people. Tell them you love them. Give them their flowers now while they're still here. But remember this. Whether it is home, work, or a school, always do your best to be elite.